are you doing? <laughs> I hit the button. Are we recording now? Yep. Welcome into Historical Baptist FC, life and ministry from a historical Baptist perspective. I'm Robert Klotz, Senior Pastor at First Baptist Church of Talladega. I'm Heath Walton, Associate Pastor of First Baptist Church of Talladega. Why are you holding your microphone like an MC? <laughs> Got that Bob Barker feel going on. <laughs> Come on down. Why are you doing that? I don't... Could it be it... because today we have a guest who stole your microphone stand? Oh, that was a segue. Ah, we need a signal. <laughs> he, all right, he was we also have. He was waiting to set me up. He didn't realize yeah. what you were doing. Right. Hey, so. yeah, set yourself up. Who are uh, you? I'll set myself up. I am Reese Gill. I'm the student pastor at Munford Baptist Church. So we've talked about Reese a good bit in the podcast, just random, you know, yeah. comments. Probably because like he's the only one who's going to listen to this episode. <laughs> yeah, which is great because uh, we have our listener here. So awesome. Because Robert's mom has quit. She's a... <laughs> <laughs> All right. My wife started listening, though. Did she? Yeah, oh, wow. she did. Hi, wow. Heather. Um, you're gonna. You're doing this. Well, whatever, you haven't asked whatever, the all-important question. Oh, I always forget this. You have something, huh? What does FC stand for, Robert? Faithful Canadians. Wait. Oh, James Coates. Well, we reference. stand today Very in nice. solidarity with James Coates. Okay. Okay. We do. So th- what does it mean to be a faithful Canadian? Like, to be to James be Coates or okay. to go to his okay. church. Okay. Can I say that I love the way his wife refers to like some of the things that they do congregationally and sometimes even to the congregation when she's being interviewed as the one another's? The one I think that's the greatest thing I've the ever heard. Others? Yeah. My wife thinks it sounds a little too much like an episode of Lost, but I think it sounds incredibly biblical, and that's, I'm going to start using that phrase. That's the others. The others. So it sounds yeah, like the way? I didn't say it sounds like something. I, mean, I didn't say it sounds... Like lost, I said it sounds like something that could have been on lost. Anyway, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, kind of like, kind of like, like instead way, of Christianity, it was or, called the way. Right. Yeah. Right. That said it's the one, the one another's. Yeah. <laughs> I just failed. Heath has dropped his mic. He has dropped his headphones. I'm, I'm coming back. He is adjusting the soundboard, which is the thing that sounds like a freight train. No, it shouldn't be too bad today. Um, the the window is open, so you'll be able to hear the wind. And just wait till the trains come by. Also, the fan sound is the soundboard, not the fan in the window. <laughs> right, because there's one yeah. of those two, but it's off. Yeah, it's, it was on. It's off now. All right. Um, today's theme is, you know, already doesn't matter because we're already off the rails, which is kind of a trend and a theme. Um, but today's theme, what we, we invited Reese, unlike any of our other guests that we have planned, though we haven't had a guest on the podcast yet, we have lots of guests planned in my little blue book here. Um, they all have topics and themes. Uh, Heath just called Reese like 20 minutes ago and said, hey, come with a list of questions and we'll let you ask us anything you want. Which he then had to come up with while driving. Yes. But I, I do have enough. a question to start with. Uh, I was told that if it, like, we got into like heavy, controversial stuff that Heath would hit this red button. Yeah. Um, you may have to hit that with this question. Yeah. That we only get one each. So if he directs a question to you or to me, we get one button press each. Do I get to phone a friend? Sure. Whatever you want to do. Actually, you shouldn't. Sounds like a a challenge. I'm going to ask you a question. This one you you won't understand it. You need to answer this one yourself, and hopefully you won't hit the red button. 
Okay. When it comes to biscuits and gravy, is it white gravy or tomato gravy? It's always white gravy. Um, always no offense gravy. to my grandmother. I love her very much. She apparently makes great tomato gravy. Oh, so you don't even know. Uh, she, no, I, let me finish. I, Heath Walton of Alabama, despise tomato gravy. I think it's the worst breakfast item that there is wow. other than a watermelon. So there you don't you like go. watermelon? You like watermelon for breakfast? I don't like watermelon any time of the day. Wow. Ever. And, and for okay. those who, who don't know me, I'm hefty. Like, I, uh, brother eats. So you're telling but me. I'm not eating tomato gravy. So you're telling me ever you, again. Would, you would take a Pop Tart over tomato gravy and biscuits? Absolutely. 100%. What do you think, Robert? If you, had, if you had bacon covered in tomato gravy, I'd take the Pop-Tart. That's how serious I am about this. Um, wow. I, I will say a few things. <laughs> please do. <laughs> After hearing all of that, please do. Firstly, Heath is dead wrong, but I think, <laughs> I think that he's wrong because he's misinformed. Um, number one, tomato gravy can only be eaten in the late spring when it's garden fresh tomatoes because pulpy tomatoes make bad yeah. gravy. Okay. Yeah. Um, secondly, you haven't, you must not have had tomato gravy with Koneka sausage in it because just Whoa. like everything, Koneka sausage, I mean, it makes the difference. Yeah. Although it's good without it, don't it, need it, it to is ruin, just a whole nother level. Don't ruin Koneka sausage. Here's the other thing. I, I like, I like white gravy. I like tomato gravy. I like traditional tomato gravy, but tomato gravy now also encompasses white gravy with tomatoes. So, which, by the way, is the best tomato gravy of all when the base is not a traditional brown gravy base and with the tomatoes, but instead uh, you've now made a white gravy base and then added the tomatoes in later. That That is pristine. And I, and I assume also with sausage. Oh, of course. Oh, okay. allow, so me to, allow me to rebut. Um... You do not need to. No, you improve. got your turn. You don't need to improve upon perfection, and <laughs> white sausage gravy, especially from like Jacks, is perfection. You don't need it now. Yeah, but this I, guy, if you okay, go to McDonald's I, and get listen, that gravy. I would it's like to. Food. This like is going to be a whole. This is going to be a whole distinct <laughs> episode, and you're going to have to come back for another, you know, recording because this one's going to last two hours. This guy is not allowed to speak on this issue because although you always come with the, you know, hefty defense, I'm just not buying it. Um, so you're not buying. I'm hefty. All three of us in the room have had a few rounds of biscuits and gravy, <laughs> okay, and everyone can true. tell. But let's take a look around. <laughs> the room who's had the most okay but here's the other thing <laughs> i you also don't think that an egg over easy on top of said hey. biscuit and gravy makes it better and so i instantly don't believe what you have to say again um allow me to reply eggs don't <laughs> belong on anything because eggs are garbage Okay. Okay. That's, so okay. So are you saying that there were no <laughs> eggs in the Garden of Eden because God created all things good, and I don't think that eggs were scarred by sin except no, the rotten ones. I was about to say ones. sin wow. marred the eggs and gave it a distinct sulfuric smell. <laughs> I don't know how old the take. eggs you buy from Walmart are. They're fresh <laughs> from a chicken, and and I don't buy eggs from Walmart. I get them from the farm which apparently people here love. Well, what do you do with them if they don't belong on anything? 
They you, don't belong on anything now. If you bake it in a cake, we're all good because it doesn't taste like okay, eggs anymore. Okay. It tastes like cake. So if I'm going to answer my... How did we get there yeah, from tomato gravy? I, I don't know. I don't know. So for me personally, I will say this, Heath. I appreciate how much you love white gravy. Because a, a basic white gravy, which I think we have all agree, can agree, like just not even sausage in it, nothing. Like just a good white gravy is, is phenomenal on a biscuit, right? Or deer steaks, or toast, or, any, or anything, yeah, or anything. a spoon. Look, right now, me and Robert yeah, are seeing we're seeing eye to eye right now. I <laughs> yeah. am hundred percent in agreement okay. with Robert. So we agree with that. However, to me, that's like base level. It only goes up from there. Nah. Now I've not tasted a white gravy with tomatoes in there, but it's definitely something I might have to make and try myself. But if if it's springtime and I have like the freshest, best batch of tomatoes in my in, in my possession. And I'm going to choose which gravy to make. I'm going with a tomato gravy. If you uh, every if you ever need tomatoes, day. but also want to point I also want to point <laughs> out that you also made your standard for this Jack's gravy and biscuits. Dude, and don't get me don't wrong. Hate. Hold on, hold on. I appreciate. I like Jack's gravy and biscuits. Hardee's is better, but Jack's is still pretty Hardee's good too. Hardee's is probably better. Yeah. But also, I know many people who can make biscuits and gravy ten times better. Oh, yeah. Than Jack's. So. But can they make it? And I have it in two minutes. Uh, we have a Sunday school class that does that every morning, every Sunday morning. There you go. Wait, what? Oh, yeah, I got you. I got you now. Ignore me. But you know the Sunday uh, school class that Sunday, cooks biscuits yeah. and gravy. That's on the one the, I'm talking about. Right, I anticipated not being a heavy on the uh, on the <laughs> same. We're going to have to connect this back to the theme of the podcast, but I think that's pretty easy because life from a historical Baptist perspective. Oh, this is very historically Baptist. Yes. We're talking about gravy, um, uh, but. I agree. Let me reiterate to our devoted listener. How long have we been going on this? Hold on. McDonald's gravy is not gravy. It's cat food. <laughs> Don't eat it. This also, segment has been brought to you by... <laughs> also, Burger King. Burger King. Burger King doesn't have it. Another problem. Anyway, moving on. What's your... Our <laughs> our only other listener who's not presently in the room, sorry, Dad, is my wife, and she's checked out at this point. She yeah, doesn't care about this conversation at all. Yeah. Mm. All right, Reese. What's oh, I asked a question. Someone else? Uh, no, 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 no. This you is have all to you. ask all oh, the this questions. This is all Reese. This is questions. all you. You came for for a question session with, with one no, question. With every, no preparation. Every time with, we have you on here, it's going to be a random phone call. Oh, so to Lord. to make it even more randomness with Reese. Uh, a random phone call. We want random questions, and we'll tell you when to get here. Gotcha. Um, so I mean, I'm I'm sorry. I, so I brought I brought my you know historical Baptist FC notebook. I've got the, go- the Google machine. Cookbook. I've got the 1689, the Baptist Faith and Message 2000, the Westminster Dictionary of Theological Terms. I've got my Bible. I've got three or four other things. I didn't bring the Jack's menu. I didn't realize <laughs> that's what we would be talking about. Yeah. All right. What's another one? Another question. Well, this has gone splendidly. <laughs> Let him ask one. <laughs> um, so you want a more real, serious question? Sure, yeah. More serious question. Okay. Or would you rather? So I did see an interesting, uh, saw an interesting, I guess, topic question uh, today on a forum I was reading um, about the influence of bigger churches in the SBC and how do we go about in the future of, uh, I guess, diminishing that? Or making it more to where churches that we each serve at, um, which is the more common type church in our mm-hmm. convention, how do we give more of a voice 
and more influence or even influence to said churches. That's tossed to you. I mean, two two major things. Um, number one, you prepare, you better prepare uh, normative size church pastors for denominational effectiveness and involvement by facilitating their involvement on their associational level, encouraging them to get involved in the association, not being okay with the idea of the same guys do the same job every year, Except the budget committee, because we all know that every association has one guy, one pastor who for some reason is good with numbers because none of the rest of us are. So we'll, we'll keep letting him do the budget. But everything else, um, it, you know, having people step up, be parts of different committees, be part of, uh, um, you know, the different uh, elected positions um, throughout the committee structure, however your local association uh, uses that, go to your pastor's conference. Um, Go to every single executive committee meeting. Certainly go to your um, your association's annual meeting and figure out how you can serve, how you can get involved, whether it's working the registration table or you know serving as moderator and absolutely everything in between um, that goes on throughout the rest of the year. Uh, get involved so that you know what that feels like, you know what that looks like, you gain good experience. Then... Uh, we as normative-sized church pastors have to decide that the guys we want in leadership are not the celebrity pastors we watch on YouTube, both at the state level and at the SBC level. So you have to start voting for people into positions like um, president, entity heads, trustees. And and I realize in our denominational structure, you know, you're voting on committees, the, the you know, we're not voting directly for a lot of those things, but the things you do get to vote for, um, to so some of those committees and certainly the, the president, um, you should very carefully consider voting for normative-sized church pastors, nominating normative-sized church pastors, and then voting for those people. Now, I say that in the midst of, um, Heath, you and I have had a lot of discussions about still not making up our minds about the SBC presidency um, and evaluating the different candidates, um, and you've got... Um, at sort of a, an associational leadership um, type role, you've got uh, a fairly substantially sized uh, church pastor. I don't I don't recall how big Ed Litton's church is, but I think it's on the larger. It's on the large. I'd say um, it's larger. Yeah. And then you've got a normative sized church pastor uh, in Mike Stone, and then of course in Al Moeller, you have an entity head, a seminary president. Um, and so you know, even even saying that, I realize that that what I'm saying at this point is if you if you want normative-sized churches to have a voice, then you vote for the guy who's a pastor of a normative-sized church um, with the anticipation that he's then going to put people in leadership roles, the ones that he gets to select, who are also normative-sized church pastors. All that being said, I still haven't made up my mind who my vote is going toward. I'm leaning you know, toward... Uh, I've got it sort of narrowed down to a couple guys that I think I'm leaning toward, but yeah. I'm still not sure. I sort of waffle back and forth between the two. Um, so... And they share a lot of the same views, I think. Um, but, yeah, I think actually Lytton's church would probably be considered normative size. Okay. Um, well, see, that's why I didn't want to speak out of turn because yeah, I don't really know. It used really, to be, really used to be when, when I was in Mobile, it was, it was uh, NOMO. It was First Baptist Church of North Mobile, and now they are, was it Re- Redemption Church, Redeemer Church, something, something like, like that. that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so... I, unless they've like substantially grown, I would still consider them relatively uh, normative okay. size. 
Um, but yeah, you know, echoing what Robert said, it it's about getting people involved in their local association, which then leads to state and, and national. Uh, another big thing is keeping your congregation informed and then bringing messengers to things. Right. Um, like, not even just the national. You should have your congregation's me- uh, messengers uh, encouraged to go to the local stuff. You know, the local meeting we have, what is it, once a year? Right. Uh, we have an annual meeting, and then we have executive committee meetings, but yeah. of course that's just the executive committee. But have them go to that. Have them go to the state meeting. I mean, so if, I'm, if, I, if I remember correctly, the cap for the annual meeting is, is 12. Is that I right? I think we only get... Do we only get I'm nine? About like as far as like when you're in a bigger church, it caps off at twelve. Oh, that may I, be true. I, I don't recall get... what the cap is, but it is based on your it, it's based on your attendance and membership and uh, your, your giving. Um, I think we get nine, yeah, if I'm not mistaken, recall. judging by the paper that I looked at the other day. I haven't so looked at the rules what? recently. I just asked Miss Debbie to do that for us. Um. <laughs> so what do you think it would look like if, uh, and not to try to sound you know communist or anything, but what would it look like if, uh, that's a joke, but what would it look like if every church in the SBC had the same equal amount of representatives? I'm talking about even the churches where you have mm. the pastor who's the do-it-all pastor because he's the only person on the staff, as well as your, you know, the churches that are mega churches, you know, who have several thousands of members that's an interesting question don't you think i mean well so i think the, i see pros and cons right so the idea see where that the influence there kind of diminishes naturally from that so uh, the idea the reason i think that it is structured the way that it is uh is not obviously it doesn't necessarily give every church an equal vote because it's you know based on these factors um what it does, however, is that it gives every Southern Baptist an equal vote, if that makes sense. So that whether you're just one member out of a thousand in attendance on Sunday, or whether you're one member out of ten, um, one voice is not louder than the other one at the convention. Um, those those votes count the same. Those church every individual Southern Baptist has the same chance, you know, then of of having the same sort of representative voice. Um, in, in the way that that's structured by making sure that larger churches get to send more messengers, um, smaller churches don't get to send as, as many, um, but that, that makes sure that, you know, this church that sends a lot more messengers, they all have the same, while the church is better represented, the individual Southern Baptists are yeah. equitably represented. Do you have like that's a fair. Senate in mind? Like a two representatives per each church, oh, two no, two mean, legislative bodies. Yeah, no, not necessarily. I just you know, and one thing. So the I think where it would get pretty interesting though. Let's say you do have a very large church; they're very involved, and you only have let's let's say two to three uh, messengers going. Um, what if there's a wide variety of opinion on who should be voted in between two or three candidates? Do you do, you do one? Vote for this one, one vote for that one, and one vote for the other one. Or do you, you see what I'm saying? Like, Not within your, how do you your represent church? your church? Well, the other thing I, I I would say, I'm going to say, is, um, well, I was going to say it now, I forgot it. I know your wife asked an interesting question, jokingly, about being a messenger. Do we have to vote for who you vote for? Um, and so, <laughs> you, well, but here's so so that that does sort of kick back into my head what I was planning on saying. 
Most churches just send their pastors. Yeah, they do. Um, it's not until a crisis moment, an enormous conflict, that the average Southern Baptist starts sending average Southern Baptist church members to sleep in their cars and make sure they're at the meeting and make sure they have to use all four overflow locations and everything else to make sure everybody gets a vote. Uh, that doesn't happen un- un- until the moment of crisis. The, the norm uh, is for churches, if they send anyone to, to send their pastor as messenger, I'd be interested. I'm sure those statistics are somewhere to find out what is the percentage of Southern Baptist churches that actually send any messengers at all. And, and then what's the percentage that that messenger is the pastor? The last time we saw such a large number of lay messengers there would have been probably the conservative resurgence era. Yeah, um, I mean that's what I'm saying. Probably what 1985 somewhere in there. Um, I mean, I think it. I think it. it, it I think it went well into the 90s, but I think. Yeah, I mean, I had to go back and oh, look at some of the statistics. 85 through around 95, I guess, yeah. uh, somewhere in there. Um, but yeah, so I that think the was, 88 convention was a famous one. Yeah, that's how that sort of took shape. Is um, they just started informing church members. Um, but, I, you know, I, I think, yeah, so sort of broad sweeping to answer that question, I think two things have to happen. Number one, if the primary, if the average messenger on all those levels, at your associational level, the state level, and at the SBC level, if the average messenger is a pastor, then the pastors have to take that mentality of, or have to stop taking the mentality, and I've been guilty of it too, of thinking those guys are the SBC elite. Those guys are the Alabama Baptist elite. Those guys are the guys who serve. I'm just a normal, average, ordinary pastor and start stepping in to get involved however they can if that's who's going to go. And then secondly, pastors have to start, you know, much like you're saying, creating a culture in their churches where their members expect we're going to go as messengers too. Um, our, our church is not just sending our pastor sort of, you know, we're going to embrace that responsibility and we're going to send members to go and to vote and to mm-hmm. be involved. And there too, not, uh, I mean, I'd, I would also be interested in seeing other than entity heads who sort of are their own thing. Um, most of the guys who fulfill those roles are pastors. How many lay people serve as trustees and board members. And, and yes, there are, there are some, I think some of those are, are regulated, you know, having to have a certain number of lay people. I'm not, I'm not that deep into it to figure out, you know, to know all those things. But um, I know uh, anecdotally some lay people who serve in those capacities. Um, I, I think we need more of that too. I think we need more of your average Southern Baptist, not just pastors, but your average Southern Baptist serving in some of those leadership positions, not just as messengers, but jumping in to step into leadership. I just think, like, as as a as a young pastor who uh, loves the SBC, I have no desire of ever leaving or you know changing denominations. Of course, barring something traumatically bad uh, happens, um, but um, I would personally love to see that you know that there is more of a shift to uh, be less about the the bigger players, the bigger name pastors, the more influential people. Because even even this year, I mean, you kind of said this a minute ago, but you know the the four candidates this year, in their own way, different ways, have a have a, uh, a very wide influence. You know, mm-hmm. They're 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 very well known in different ways for different reasons. 
Well, um, and, and which I know, two, and I know that yeah, whoever has the bigger megaphone is going to be heard more, and I, and, well, I, and I know that's a part of. But it. to your point, even the two guys who are pastors of normative-sized churches, first of all, those are on the larger side of normative, and second of all, as you're saying, yeah. they've already had other platforms. So you They're had Mike Stone, state guys. You had well, right. you had Mike Stone involved with the executive committee, right. yeah, uh, in a high up position, and he's, he's executive committee director, wasn't it for um, or not director, executive committee president. I don't What's know what to call the term. It. Anyway, um, <laughs> in a leadership position in the executive committee, y'all forgive me. Um, it's you know a- after lunchtime and I'm ready for a nap, um, and it's warm in here. Anyway, um, and then of course you know Ed Litton, yeah, has had he's had a big voice around our state for a while. He's had a big voice around. I mean, he's you know he's preached at the SBC Pastors Conference, so so he too is a well known figure. There aren't any guys on on that um on those tickets that you know you'd say well i need to go learn who that guy is because i have no idea who that is right. now that of course is i think he you you were you started to say that comes with its own set of problems you, you it know does. if you're you know if if we're running the associate pastor of first baptist church of talladega the only <laughs> vote no <laughs> but the only way for people to know what you believe is to like start emailing you you know because they, they 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 don't know yeah i don't i don't I so you're saying he There's should campaign true. They're sure not going to find out from a historical Baptist podcast. Um, so with a know. with a listening audience of two, yeah, you know, <laughs> on they, a good day, ours, ours already know, and one of them will vote no, um, and so at least one of them. But you know, yeah, you'd have to find a way to be able to communicate because I mean, we've we've even said so. Let's let's take it off of who's running for president and stuff. What about the pastors' conference? So we we know a preacher that we think should be preaching at like every state pastor conference he should preach on the national one but he's the you pastor name drop him? Uh, uh, his name's Nicholas Gandy and he's oh, wonderful yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but so he uh, I mean Robert use your line how do you describe him? Uh, dude is the I mean he is the the most cheerful kind gentle person you will ever meet loves his people really really well um, you know he, he speaks softly and tenderly, and I mean, uh, just the nicest, most personable guy you would ever want to meet gets behind the pulpit and turns into a lion. He does, and and I mean, he would never accept this high praise from us, but we're gonna do it anyway. So he's um, not listening. No, nobody's he's not listening. listening. <laughs> he, well, he might if we get him on here to talk about preaching. Uh, but but yeah, so we we think the world of that guy, but. You know, they, they have people who preach at pastors' conferences that you've heard of. You know, we've yeah. we've listened to them. For the most part, they'll they'll occasionally have someone that we haven't. And that's not saying that they're bad because they've been heard. I mean, Robert Smith Jr. It was phenomenal. Um, but, yeah, you know, guys like that, they don't have the platform, but they're just as faithful and they're just as good at what they do, you know. But to, to sort of bring that point full circle who gets elected as pastor's conference president exactly guys you've heard of who are they going to bring in more guys you've heard of mm-hmm. and i i think i think the pastor's conference definitely looks different if the the guy you elect as pastor's conference president a lot of people may never have heard of because he's probably going to bring in some more guys you've never heard of but you should have and he's probably going to bring in one or two guys you have heard of but yeah. you know uh, some I, some I of the most faithful say, preachers on the planet, you will never hear of. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I, I, one thing I want to say. I think somebody is wrote like, a book about that. One thing I want to say is like I don't want you know whether it's about electing 
you know, a president of the SBC electing people to committees, people who are preaching at a pastor's conference, whatever it may be. Um, I don't have anything against the larger name, bigger influence yeah. people having those things because I'm not going to say all, but a lot of those guys are, they do have the influence they have. They do have the, uh, the big name that they have for a good reason. Yeah. You know, some of those guys start off the same way we do, and they are faithful to their ministry, and they build up something that, that creates the influence that they have. And so, yeah, I mean, like, they have a reason to be in the positions they have, to have the influence they have. Uh, but I also, for every one of those kind of guys I know, I know three more who yeah. people will never know their name, who are going in churches, they're revitalizing churches that are on the brink of closing doors to being a packed-out church that can't fit everybody in there, you know, and so on and so forth. So... Um, but they'll never get, uh, and there are people who could uh, very much so uh, breathe some fresh air and life into our uh, our convention. But because they are not a um, big name person, uh, they don't get that opportunity. So, and that's what I was going to say is <laughs> I don't want to sound like yeah, the yeah, nerd yeah. table that's talking about the jock table at the Southern Baptist <laughs> Convention. You know what I mean? We do. We, we, we hate do, those guys. Yeah, they're we cool. do respect those men. They're not. They like Reese just said. They they have influence for a reason. They they know what they're doing. Uh, we would just like to see more normative sized church pastors represented as well. I think that would be a good thing, an ideal thing in the convention. Well, Next. that one took a minute. How about that? <laughs> are, are you? Are we still recording? You still got the thing dragged out far enough? Oh, yeah, we're good. Okay. You got any more? <laughs> Next. Uh, I did. I had another one, but then our discussion went longer than I thought it would, so huh. kind of took... Oh, we got time. What else are we going to do? I don't know. You got a question, Robert? No, we, we asked... We could ask Reese one. We asked Reese here to ask, to ask the questions. Hmm. Nope. Stop it. I was going to say, who are you voting for? But that's that's <laughs> never a good thing to, to ask anyone. Um... Let's shift gears. Let's go to worship topics. Ooh, okay. Worship topics. Um, we <coughs> did. Did we do an episode on worship? Yep. You did. We did. I listened to it. All right. <laughs> oh, good. Then you could just copy my answer. Um. So he didn't say he studied it or that he even agreed with it. I he said he listened, listened to, to it. it. <laughs> I'm aware. That's why I said good. He can just copy my answer because he's <laughs> going to agree with it. Uh, anyway. I don't say the things that I say because I think I'm wrong. Um, that's a famous Robert. <laughs> Who quote. would say such a thing? <laughs> All right, so Reese, this is just a, a sort of a lighter question. Okay. Um, what worship leaders are you listening to right now? Okay. And why? And why? And why? Go. Right now he's listening to you talk. So. <laughs> um, why? Zing. So. Uh, so I have a you know a worship playlist that I just throw the the worship music that I uh, currently am enjoying that um, that I that I love to listen to. Uh, I had that all in a playlist, and so um, that does change from time to time. So there might be uh, times where there are people I haven't listened to in a long time um, for whatever reason, and some people don't put out music for a very long time. But sort of like podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but to really answer your question, I guess uh, my favorites, uh, one favorite you know of mine I've been for a while now is, is City Light. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, cool Australian folks over there making some really good music. Is it Australia, right? Yeah, those cool Australian Episcopalians are doing great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They are. They are so they write some good music. Um, I'm always 
I'm always for some Matt Boswell and Matt Papa. Oh, yeah. Um, I've had those two guys on repeat, both their joint, al- joint album as well as their own uh, solo stuff. I've had that stuff on repeat for years now. Um, listen to a lot of Sovereign Grace. He's just calling out our Sunday morning, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, All right, let me ask you another question. Okay. Uh-oh. Uh, we'll stick with the worship thing. Um, I, I'll ask two questions. One will be easy, and the next one will be hard. How many, how many instruments do you play? How many instruments do I, I play? Tell him he can play, on, look, he can play me, seven drums at once. Hold on. It's amazing. Hold on. I need to – let's break down a question. How many do I actively play in my life right now, or how many can I play? How many do you feel competent, competent in playing? Competent to play? Uh, if you had a week to practice, you feel like I could pick this back up. This is my uh, list. It'd probably be around fifteen. Okay. What, what instruments do you play? I know drums. So drums. I'm confident um, you play guitar because every so youth I pastor will, does. I will say, yeah, I can play guitar. Uh, I would say drum set is as its own instrument, but I can also play any type of of bells instruments so marimba xylophone you can and count that as one two or three however many instruments you want you to you gotta count all those so that's, okay, tw- I mean, that's 27 right there <laughs> and you I'm play count, you I'm play counting. trumpet at Ole Miss can, is that yes, right yeah I march trumpet um, so I can play trumpet I can play any high brass uh, instrument I can also play any low brass instrument so no you can't I can you think you can Oh, you, you high brass people always think you can play low brass. Well, hold on, hold on. Okay, took, let me class. just pause for everyone <laughs> to clarify. I didn't say I was an amazing at it. <laughs> Robert played tuba at a terrible university, and Reese played trumpet at Ole Miss. I'm so glad he didn't say terrible to, university for mine. <laughs> at an equally, I'm just kidding. No, Robert played at Auburn. Reese played at Ole Miss. Now fight. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, I'm not an amazing to a player. I I did okay. Enough. I did okay <laughs> enough to pass my class of, of playing tuba. Um, but my, my nickname in marching band was Faker. Was Faker? <laughs> Ironically, I did fake one competition in marching band and got high marks from the judge. That's despicable. I was playing the keyboard. It wasn't even plugged in because oh, it didn't man. have an outlet. And then so the I director this, comes though, up my, and says, "Good job." I often tell people my uh, my. Two of my favorite instruments I ever learned how to play uh, is oboe and bassoon. Something about the double reed Whoa, I just hold up. really enjoyed. We're going to have to have an oboe. Likes those double, double reed instruments. Okay, yeah. so um, one of the common themes in worship wars uh, historically has been what instruments should not be allowed in worship. Yeah. Now, I, trumpet. I think, <laughs> I think that uh, all of us would say that um, while a lot of those arguments arose because certain instruments were equated with certain worship styles or musical styles, and, and that wasn't fair, um, that instrumentation is not necessarily the same thing as style. You, you can play in a certain yeah. style with ver- a variety of instrumentation. So let's just clear the air. Right. But there were certain, in, in some churches, worship wars revolved around this instrument should be forbidden from worship. Are there any instruments you think should be forbidden from worship? Uh, the kazoo. It's not an I'm instrument. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Yeah, it's not. It's a correct. party favor. You're correct. It's not an instrument. I think the theremin. Um, the theremin should be. The theremin. I think Hillsong's used that a few times. That's what <laughs> okay. Uh, it's that thing uh, from Star Trek. <laughs> for the people oh, who I don't know what a theremin is, like. <laughs> that thing. That should yeah, be gone. Okay, we can make an argument for that. But uh, real answer, um, I'd say none. What about a ukulele? A ukulele, sure. 
If you're on a beach. Yeah. I mean. Right? Listen. What about if, an electric, if an retreat, electric hold on, ukulele? Hold on, hold on. If we're on the beach and we're at like a retreat on the beach. Cultural be, contextualization, I'm gonna be, man. Oh, I'm going to be hard pressed to not play, uh, uh, lead in Oceans by Hillsong with a ukulele in my hand. Okay. I'm just kidding. That's a joke. I would never do such a thing. In his Birkenstocks. Um, in my um, Birkenstocks, yep. yep. He's a vegan, uh, and his name is Cody. Absolutely not. Does it look like I'm a vegan? <laughs> his opening Cody. question was about gravy and sausage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, um, what would be an... I'm, I'm now, now you've got me thinking, like, what is okay, an instrument? So, but to really answer your question, I don't think there's really necessarily an instrument that shouldn't or can't be... Uh, part of a worship service, I do think that context is important. So, for example... What about that little thing that's got a mouth on it? (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? A little white? Just... No. (laughs) Yes. No. Uh, For for example... What's that called? I I don't know. And I don't care. Um... I wouldn't. I wouldn't have Heath, for example. If I had Heath come and lead worship in my church, I wouldn't have him... You should have stopped right there. uh, I wouldn't have Heath. Yeah, I probably wouldn't. Have wouldn't. Probably wouldn't. All right. So our worship pastor's name is Brian, and Brian is is fantastic. I would not suggest Brian, uh, especially because of the context of our church, uh, the way our worship service is. I would not Time suggest. Out. You're not talking about the saxaboom, are you? <laughs> is that <laughs> no, what it's called? No, it's it's. Uh, here it is. It is called. You're not speaking into your microphone. Sorry, it's called an automatone. Okay. All right. It's, back, it's that thing. Back okay, to what you yes. were saying, Reese. No, okay. Sorry. Anyway. So I, I, I obviously would not suggest that, you know, that Brian, and not that Brian would ever would, but I, I wouldn't suggest someone like Brian in our church setting lead worship, especially with the music that we do use for worship from a ukulele, for example. Um, do I think that it's possible that uh, there can be enough instrumentation and depending on certain song selection that a, someone playing a ukulele amongst other instrumentation would work? Sure. I'm, I would never you, be against it. Do you think it would look funny if I led with a ukulele? Maybe. I will, so I will say this. Some of the, I will say this. Size-wise. Before, before, COVID, before COVID became part of our culture, um, when I was doing worship on Wednesday nights with our students. I have never heard that turn of phrase, and I can't say that I like it. What? COVID before COVID culture. became part of our culture. Well, listen, listen. Before, that before makes me COVID, want to throw up. Hold on. Before COVID, every <laughs> other cough. reference, every reference of my life before COVID was before or after Katrina. So now I have yeah, COVID. Yeah, I, I understand. Um, but anyways, before COVID happened and you know we had to temporarily uh, not do church the way we were doing church, I was doing worship on Wednesday nights with uh, our students. And I had a student who has since graduated and gone off to college, but... Uh, she would lead with me on Wednesday nights, and she would actually uh, play her ukulele. Oh, there so we go. I played acoustic guitar, she played ukulele, and I had two girls singing, and we would sometimes have a cajon. And to be honest with you, uh, it worked. It, it didn't Let's sound just clarify. I really don't have anything against the ukulele. Oh, no, I'm just saying in general. I think, just to answer the question, I don't, I don't have anything against any in- specific instrumentation. Did you have one? No. Maybe the didgeridoo. No. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, do I have one of those? I may have a degree. I will tell you this. My next you have a mouth big, and a PVC pipe because you can make it work. My next big ticket purchase as far as musical instruments go that I want to incorporate into a worship service is uh, is the hand the little pan hand drums. No, you know no. I think we've got some do, in the children's ministry closet you can have. They hit that note and they start waving their hands yes. over. It's really awkward. Yes. And oh, no. 
Uh, it's like an upside down turtle shell. Like yes, a, like a oh, um, um, yes. It's almost like a steel drum, but flipped over. Right. It's, oh, yeah. yeah. They make, it yeah. sounds so cool. Don't, don't they make one called like, like the panda drum or something? I don't know, but it's, they do like Lord of the Rings songs on it. It's so cool. <laughs> it's so cool. And it costs like $3,000. I thought you were talking about a djembe at first. By cool, he means with quotes. Um, I wasn't sure if he was talking about a djembe or bongos, and I was wrong says on the guy both accounts. Who, who, what about the spoons? I'm the spoons. I can tear up some spoons in a worship service. <laughs> you mean like... You put gravy in it. I can tear it up too, man. So we're getting a washboard out too? Yeah. Like, hey, don't knock it till you try it. <laughs> With gravy or just spoons? Playing a washboard in worship. Okay. Oh. Uh, whose turn is it now to ask a question? It's Heath's turn. I thought it... I mean, this what isn't one that this, this isn't what well, it was you, supposed to uh, happen. Well, what was supposed to happen? Random is, round table with Reese. <laughs> there you it's, go. There except you the go. table square. Well, but you whatever. asked me who I was listening to, and I did answer. Oh, that that's right. That's right. So I asked. Yeah, it's, it's Reese's turn. It's my turn. Mm. As he holds his face. What does your hat mean? Bear fruit. Yeah, dude. Okay, that, that was easy. I wonder Come why. On. Hey, no, well, to be He's fair. like, what does toast and an apple have to do with anything? <laughs> uh, to be fair, I've had people say. I, like, I thought it was Winnie the Pooh. Yeah, people like, Winnie the Pooh poo and apple? apple? Yeah. What's a yeah. poo apple? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah poo apple. There you go. Yeah, you got some uh, editing next time to do. Somebody <laughs> asks me what my hat says, that's what I'm going to say. Poo apple. Poo apple. <laughs> that went sideways quickly. Yeah. Are you marking that on your computer? What? <laughs> no, we're leaving is? it because it's just random stuff. How about um, this whole time? My eyes are just leaking water because I keep doing those internal yawns so that I can hear it on the microphone. I'm about to fall asleep. And I've had my anemia medicine today. <laughs> <laughs> that bird is going to fly in this room. It's okay. It'll be Where? You know, uh, oh my gosh, we're on a podcast. <laughs> not looking out the window at a bird. All right, so eschatology. Let's see. Oh, that's you, buddy. You're teaching <laughs> on it right now. <laughs> I was joking. Preterism is. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's what I was prepping for for Sunday night. Let's see. When, um, we, when I came up here. Do another random question. Just something. Doesn't necessarily have to be SBC based. Like something. Uh, did Adam and Eve have belly buttons? Oh, good. <laughs> All right, okay. moving on. That was in my one. In my opinion, yes. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. I think so. That, oh, I don't, also, I don't I have an commented a... earlier on the fact that we've agreed about this before, but but now that we're being recorded, I wanted this to be recorded. That I you totally, want it on the record that I, I agree it with on you. On the record that I agree wholeheartedly that, that an egg, or, or specifically like a sunny side up fried egg, whatever, anywhere where the yolk is runny, uh-huh. is all it makes anything better. It makes yes. anything and everything better. I, I like the over easy instead of the sunny side up, yeah, but yeah, definitely yeah, 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 leave, yeah. leave the yolk runny. I don't care, just make the yolk runny. That's yeah. all I care about. My dad it makes anything over better. medium every time. I still don't know what that means. I mean, if you if you, oh, it means it's it's not runny. It's kind of it's, it's it's not like quite chalky, but it's a little <laughs> goopy, and then you don't get the. <laughs> yeah. The delight of... Are you trying to say my dad orders goopy eggs? <laughs> punching That's into exactly. it and it running all over the, the food. Oh, Hi, Dad. I mean, it improves a bowl of fried rice. It improves yes. a bacon cheeseburger. Yes. It improves... Oh. Man, it would improve Fruit Loops. It's delicious. <laughs> okay. A steak. Put your money where your mouth is. Grits. Grits. Tomorrow. I, I didn't want, say it would be appetizing. I, I said it no, would improve no, no. it. Pause. <laughs> I want you to go to the store after work today. Go get you some Fruit Loops. And in the morning, FaceTime me. And I'm going to FaceTime Reese. And we're going to watch you eat sunny or whatever, eat over easy egg Fruit Loops in the morning. 
Put the milk in there, too. Yeah, yeah you have to have the milk. In, uh, no. In fact, don't even use milk. Just let the yolk be the milk. Now, that's not a bad idea. With that's the milk, terrible. it might be gross, but without the milk. Without the milk, it could work, I think. It could work. I think it could work. It could. Have you ever had it on cheese grits? Oh, that's what or shrimp and grits? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. What? Not shrimp it and grits, but It already has grits, yes. what it needs. Shrimp <laughs> and grits. That's all they need. They don't need eggs. Sorry. Um, You're yelling. <laughs> I'm yelling in a microphone. With your microphone, like, in your mouth. By the way, two <laughs> days ago, I started yelling at the TV because someone was yelling in a microphone. I was like, it's made to pick your voice up, you idiot. Like, but anyway, moving on. Um, I hope you're not listening in your car because you have probably almost wrecked at least three times. Had to turn the volume up and down and up and down. Well, and up if and they've down. listened in their car anyway during every other week, they thought a train was coming. So it's fine. We're good. Any other questions? <laughs> yeah. I'm, How long have we gone? How much time do we have? I don't know. There's no time stamp it on it. It does here? not have a time stamp. Oh, goodness. So I have a question for y'all, I guess. Okay. So tell me about what y'all are doing. Uh, just cu- This is a genuine, curious question. What y'all are doing now. Uh, in y'all's church, in the context of the culture we live in, you know, with with the COVID oh culture, with the COVID, okay, uh, the COVID, as some people call it. Um, what are y'all doing now to basically get back to having a sense of community? Uh, you know, doing. I mean, I know a little bit of what y'all are doing, but I want y'all to tell me, I guess, about what y'all are doing to the further disciple people as well as reach lost people. Uh, here in Talladega. Specifically in the age of COVID or just in general? What are we doing discipleship? Well, here's the only difference right now is we're not having Wednesday night dinner, right? Isn't that the only difference right now? Pretty much as he's looking at his phone. Sorry, I need to return this text message. Y'all go ahead. Go ahead. So basically right now we're just not having our Wednesday night dinner. Um, So we're back to Wednesday night. We're back to Sunday morning, Sunday night. Um I mean, even choir resumes the first Sunday in March. We go back to practicing that. Um, I think one thing that it has done is it's opened up different avenues that maybe we didn't really take advantage of before COVID. So Mm -hmm. the whole online aspect of things has really picked up. And not in the sense of we want to encourage people to watch church online because, no, it's it's time to get back to church if you can. Uh, But I, I just think we've... We've reached new people because of that, so that yeah. was advantageous in that way. Um, but right now, I think we're we're pretty much back to normal. We we have some uh, everything. When I say normal, everything has that you know that one side of it that's mask or no mask and hand sanitizers and those things. But everything seems to be getting back to a place of of somewhat normalcy. Even going to camp next week is a yeah. you know. But I think to create, uh, if I heard part of your question correctly, it was yeah, to develop more important part. Develop community, and uh, was that part of your question? Yeah, Did yeah, I hear that correctly? Yeah. Um, we've tried to do a couple things to maybe maybe alter a little bit some of the stuff we're doing. Yeah. So we have sort of played around with Sunday nights a little bit to see what that looks like. And right now, Sunday nights have been uh, instead of a, a, a second worship service on Sunday. Um, we have done more of a small group style uh, education slash discipleship. So you sort of pick a topic and go to this eight-week class. But all that's done in smaller groups. Um, And and from what I have seen, this is now the second eight-week round we have done that. Um, I've actually seen some people sit next to each other in those smaller classrooms just because they were interested in attending the same class. They they never really sit together and worship any of those things, but they have met each other and formed relationships, w- which has been good. I, I think that 
Um, that generally happens in those sort of smaller group settings when it's not age graded, yeah. if that makes sense. Um, there's, I mean, we, we do age graded Sunday school cause I think there's great value in having people study God's word together who are going through similar seasons of life. But I think that there are also important moments where you get people together in small groups, um, who aren't necessarily going through the same season of life. So you develop that more holistic community, certainly the corporate worship, you've got that, but then to have that on that smaller scale, um, that that's been a bit unique in the way that we're doing Sunday nights right now. And, and I think we've already seen that positive effect from it. Uh, of, of seeing some people form relationships that maybe hadn't formed them before. Um, and, and again, we're, we're playing around with a lot of that stuff while we're still trying to get back to normalcy and figure out what that looks like. Um, that, that's been one of the things that, that we've done. An example of that is like my class, which is on biblical worship, um, it actually has one who's a brand new member. She's in there. One who's still a relatively new member. Uh, who is older than the young member, so um, Joni. So she's um, the wife of our director of missions. So uh, she's in there. A new member is in there who's younger than me. Uh, and then there's a guy that I, I worked with for a couple years, and I'm not, I don't think he's a member yet. Uh, we would love for him to be. Um, but he's in there as well. And so those three are in there with me studying about biblical worship. And quite frankly, like like Robert was hinting at, you normally wouldn't see those three meeting together in a group. You know, and I think that we got three very good perspectives from those three very yeah, different ones. They happen to sit in different places in the sanctuary. Yeah. They go to different Sunday school classes. Yep. Um, they just wouldn't necessarily cross paths. Not that and, they're mad at each other. And, and we're a normative-sized church. You know, it, We don't have this giant congregation you get lost in, but even still, I mean, they would probably, I'm, I'm sure I, I can say with a fair amount of confidence, they would recognize each other um, because they attend corporate worship together. But being in that smaller, con, you know, being in that um, smaller um, group dynamic, you know, that smaller situation and setting, they've developed relationships that, that probably may not have formed otherwise. So, yep. And then as for evangelism, um, really, we're just now starting to get. Uh, we have an evangelism and outreach team. Um, and we're, we're trying to get that back to a place of activity because we've been kind of limited in that. But the I, thing I we've, think, the thing we've been saying is organic discipleship yeah, that we've seen more of that. And I believe. in the, in the era of COVID when programs were shut down, you had to do organic church, everything. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's not supposed to sound like a trendy new book, organic church, but <laughs> oh, Hey, goodness. I know um, somebody who might write one soon about that. Um, you got eight more that sound just like it. Yep. Okay. Yep. Anyway, <laughs> I'm not name dropping that one. <laughs> <laughs> I might sue you. I'm uh, biting my tongue. Um, I, Reese. Anyway, keep going. Organic discipleship. I, I I think in the era of COVID, you have seen faithful Christ followers gravitate toward that naturally. They want to make disciples. God has called them to make disciples. They're faithful followers of Jesus. They seek to do that. And the normal programs, visitation and outreach, those things that we, we have done in the past, prayer walking, all those sorts of things, uh, have been sort of taken away in the culture of COVID, as you said. 
Um, but the difference is that when you couldn't come to church on a Wednesday night, you could hang out in your neighborhood more. Yeah, like we did the, uh, when, the fire at my house. When thing. you weren't when you weren't able to go to work because you know your your place of work was shut down, maybe you took a walk in the neighborhood and you met some neighbors that, you know, they work a different shift than you, so maybe you never met that neighbor before, and now you've struck up a conversation. You invited them to church. Those sort of organic kind of things um, have been happening a lot more, and I I'm very confident that's been happening in a lot of churches. One of the things that we're trying to do is to figure out how to not spoil that. Yeah. When things do return to say, nor, quote unquote, normal programming, yeah. how do you not, how, how do you not slip back into patterns? How do you not program over that so that that yeah. still becomes a major thing in what you're doing? That that yeah. lifestyle, organic discipleship, yeah. is still taking place as you return to your programs. How do your programs facilitate that instead of um, squelching it? I think uh, just hearing what y'all are saying about what y'all are doing, of course, some of which I know of, but uh, to me, it just kind of speaks to the, I guess, the beauty of ecclesiology and the fact that you have y'all's church is doing something and remaining faithful to to God and to His Word and everything. Whereas, like our church, we're looking completely different, but at the same time, we we believe that we're being faithful to with what we're doing, and as well as the next church down the road is doing something completely different is working. Um, I think for us, we're, we definitely recognized when all this kind of happened a year ago that um, at Munford, it was very heavily program-based, as I think many, many evangelical churches are, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing, uh, but we were very program-based where uh, discipleship, evangelism, all that was was filtered through programs. And, uh, of course, COVID forced us to get rid of a lot of programming, mm-hmm. um, and since then, do we still have some programming? Of course, because some of that programming is obviously good and, and necessary and needed. Um, but it's definitely made us rethink about the fact that um, while we are glad and hopeful that the fact that COVID numbers are going down every single day, um, but we don't know what tomorrow looks like. We don't know when the next pandemic hits. We don't know what could happen in our country as far as our religious liberties or anything like that. And so we've, we're trying to at least approach it from the standpoint of um, trying to get back to normal in a sense, but also have it to where our people um, are, um, I guess, in a way, know how to organically uh, do discipleship and evangelism without having to rely on the programs of the church that yeah. can always be there. I, I mean, absolutely. streamlined after COVID or during COVID stuff. Well, and and to um, reemphasize the exact point you're making, Reese, I, th- you don't want the essentials of the Christian faith to stop just because right, your program right. stopped. You don't yeah. want evangelism to stop because we don't have the evangelism program. You don't want discipleship to stop because we don't have the discipleship program. And I would say you, you don't want worship to stop because you're... Yeah worship programs are no longer able to meet. Now, I'm not talking specifically about the gathered worship of the congregation on the Lord's right. Day, but you know some of these other programs, you know, Wednesday night functions that we're used to having, um, if all those programs get canceled, they, they, they have to stop, and, and everything we do as a church also stops, it means that we are indeed relying way too heavily on programs. And I think I think every church has learned that lesson, yeah. and it's yeah. it's forced all of us to take a hard look at the mirror, in the mirror, and at the calendar, to say, um, what are we doing to prepare our people to 
evangelize and disciple people in their neighborhoods when they don't have the Wednesday night program to invite them to? Are they still going to be able to do these things that Christ has called them to do if our program has to stop? Um, and, and, you know, I think we've all realized that those programs are, are there to facilitate, not take the place of. Right. And, right. and we've got to be really Which careful. Which is not how I think most churches have used them yeah. up to this point. Yeah. So. Yeah, so that's the, the issue with being program-driven is that you can fall apart if you don't have your program. And, mm-hmm. I, and I love that, that it hasn't come down to I don't know any church, honestly, uh, especially in our association, that that's been the case. Yeah, yeah. So that tells me there's there's life there, there's health there, yeah. um, and it's very encouraging. And I I love seeing what the other churches in our association are doing, um, because that's another big thing for me is when it comes to associational ministry, you are not on opposing teams. So that's yeah. a, you know that's yeah. a big thing for me about associational is. Uh, team up you know and so that's that's what we're doing next week with our retreat with reese's church um is just teaming up in these efforts and and i expect to see more faithful churches teaming up on that local level um which i think is something that we wanted as well is to see more of the local association involvement coming through this because i mean quite frankly yes there's a lot going on the national level and all those kinds of things but uh during the midst of a pandemic where are you really thinking about? Yeah. It's your city. What are we going to do to help our people around here? Uh, and so I like to see that that associational ministry flourish through that kind of thing. But any other questions? I'm holding it in like Robert mode right now. We got to do more of these. These are fun. Yep. It's been fun. Thanks yep. for stopping by. These don't make me sad. <laughs> Oh, I never in sad. I sometimes I sometimes I leave, sometimes I leave a little riled up. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that'll probably do it for today. What do you think? Sounds good. See you next time. How uh, how long is it going to take you to upload this one? I will. <laughs>